Hello once again, and welcome to this seance of sound that we call Scry. I am the seer, and I will act as your medium into this oral odyssey into the unknown. I hope you all are doing well, and with my voice returning to a somewhat normal state, we can hopefully say goodbye to the effects I've had to add in to not sound like a plague victim over the last couple of episodes. I'm still considering doing the solo Ouija experiment that I mentioned in our last episode, and would love to hear your opinions on it. Drop us a line at scrypod.com and let us know how you feel. But let's get down to business, shall we? After all, you have come for the purportedly true tales of the dearly departed, creepy creatures, and eerie entities. Let me conjure forth our first tale shared by Prudentis and narrated by Paula from Undercover Coven. We will hear of one woman's encounters with a red-eyed being. For the record, I don't drink, don't do drugs, was not on any medication, and I am definitely sane. No mental or emotional problems. A few years ago, I was sitting on the couch in the lounge doing crossword puzzles. I am a night owl and love the quiet of night. The rest of my family were already in bed fast asleep. My lounge doesn't have doors and the couch was facing the hallway. The lights were on in the lounge and in the hall and my couch was about 2-3 to three meters from the hall. So I'm doing my puzzle, and suddenly I got the feeling that somebody was watching me. I'm sure you all know that feeling, like you can sense when you're being watched. And I looked up from my crossword puzzle and stared straight into his big, burning, red, round eyes. His eyes were very big and very round and literally glowing, similar to a red-hot burning coal but kind of hypnotic and scary. I sat there rooted on the couch, shocked and staring into his eyes. I couldn't move. Although we didn't speak, when our eyes met, I heard, understood in my head the words, You are not supposed to see me. He stood there frozen and I was frozen on the couch. I could see the shock, surprise in his eyes and kept on hearing that I was not supposed to see him. It was as if he was communicating with me telepathically. I am saying him, but there were no visible genitals. He was short, probably the size of a six or eight year old kid. He was naked, pitch black skin, no body hair at all, and no visible genitals. His arms were long in proportion to his body, almost ape-like. His hands and feet were very big in proportion to his body, but I did not take detailed note of fingers and toes. I just saw these long arms almost reaching to his calves. Very well-defined calves, very short and muscular legs, and a short, broad, muscular torso. He had a very big head, and it was out of proportion to his body. In other words, too big for his body. He has very big, glowing red eyes, and they were round. He had a strong, square jaw, high, and very well-defined square cheekbones, broad forehead. He had no nose apart from what looked like two holes or slits and the mouth was kind of like a long, horizontal slit. I didn't notice lips or teeth and his mouth was closed. 
Anyway, I don't know for how long we stared at each other in shock. It could have been a few seconds or a few minutes. Time kind of stood still. Then all of a sudden, he turned to his right and ran super fast down the hallway towards my son's bedroom. I jumped off the couch in hot pursuit and searched my son's room, but he simply vanished into thin air. I have to admit that I was very disappointed that he disappeared like that, as I would have liked to communicate with him, despite my feeling of terror when our eyes locked. I've seen other entities during the course of my life, and more so when I was a child. But those were always human in appearance, and often almost ethereal. But this creature was different. He was solid in appearance. I could see his chest move as he breathed, and he was standing in the lit hallway. This was definitely no ghost spirit entity. Since it's not a ghost or spirit, perhaps it was bleed through? From another dimension? Thank you, Prudencentis, for sharing your story. And thank you, Paula, for the narration. I highly recommend that everyone check out Paula's podcast, Undercover Coven. Well, after you listen to Scry, of course. Nearly a quarter century ago, I came across a book that mentioned the Grigori, or the Watchers. And it described that such entities' alliances could be viewed by the color of their eyes. Those who were negative entities had red, orange, or yellow eyes. Those who were more positive had eyes of green or blue. I remember thinking that was an interesting take, and in an odd case of synchronicity, I heard someone else mention the same thing to Art Bell on Coast to Coast AM later that night. I can't vouch for any truth in these claims, but that has been a little tidbit of information that has always lingered in the back of my head. Prudence Entis, hopefully this entity hasn't held a negative effect on you. In our next experience, we look at the story of Donnie Brasco and relate his story with something that he encountered with some friends while mountain climbing in Hawaii. I've debated about sharing this story because I'm still not sure exactly what happened that night. But I know something was not right about it. Me and three other friends decided to spend two days crossing the summit crest of the Ko'olau'o mountain range using a rarely climbed and dangerous ridge. As far as the state and trail clubs were concerned, this ridge did not exist. It claimed several lives and was rarely talked about because of it. Occasional stories would trickle out of climbers not being able to ascend or descend anymore and needing to be pulled off the mountain by the fire rescue helicopter. This only served to entice us, and we spent weeks planning it with several scouting climbs to see if the last difficult section before the summit was even viable. Finally, on the day of we started the climb at 3 a.m. 
and spent all day climbing to our campsite at the first summit. The last push to the summit became very technical and at some point required us to fix ropes. There were sections of rock face that needed to be free climbed as there was simply no place to secure a rope. We would climb and then pull our packs up on ropes. After finishing the climb, we crossed the last 50 yards on a razor thin ridge that was no more than eight inches across, steep and muddy. My asshole was puckered the whole way and it felt like my balls were inside my throat. When we arrived at 5 p.m., we were all physically exhausted as the seven miles we had traversed were very, very demanding. We were losing sunlight fast and the temperature was dropping quickly on the windy summit. So we decided to pitch two of our two-man tents. The summit was no bigger than a two-car garage and the consistency of bog. We spent the rest of the evening shivering and eating our MREs. When the sun fell, it became too cold to stay outside of our tents. That is, if you can believe it gets cold in Hawaii. We turned in to try and get a good rest for the 10 miles we needed to go the next day. We spent the remainder of the night telling jokes between the tents, laughing, and playing games on our cell phones. I think we all finally fell asleep sometime around 9 p.m. At around midnight, I was woken up with the top of my tent being pushed flat on my face and the violent flapping of our tent. The winds were sustained at 50 miles per hour with gusts pushing 70 and the rain was coming in hard. I tried to fall back asleep, but the noise and wet clothes were too much and it kept me up. At about 1.15, the winds came to a very abrupt halt and the entire summit became silent. All of a sudden, a blazing bright light appeared outside. I mean, I could see the light through the walls of the tent. I called to my friends, figuring someone had a flashlight and was just taking a piss, hey. but there was no answer. I repeated myself even louder again, hey. this time realizing that the light was not emanating from a flashlight. It was too bright and it was everywhere all at once, not concentrated in a beam. It looked like it was daylight outside, but with a more dull orange glow to it, if that makes any sense. Then came something that I will never forget. Footsteps in the bog we had made our camp. Squish, squish, squish. It sounded like several people walking around circling our tents on all sides. The sounds were everywhere. It was distinct and unmistakable, and I thought it would never stop. I felt like it was going on for a minute or more. I shouted this time for my buddies, who the fuck is out there? Hey. 
I heard the squishy footsteps stop and suddenly start to approach our tent as though they were reacting to my voice. Then they suddenly came to a stop right next to my head outside the tent and I heard another pair stop outside my buddy's side. I pulled my knife and just waited for the inevitable. I was seriously ready to stab someone. I was scared and angry at the same time. Who could have climbed this at night just to fuck with us, especially given the difficulty? No, it was not possible. Then, just as soon as the light and footsteps had come, it faded into darkness. The light died in a gradual manner, like a fading candle growing dimmer and dimmer until it flickered out. As soon as all of the light had faded, the winds roared again, pushing our tent down and pelting us with rain like nothing had just happened. After a few minutes, I gathered myself and ripped open the tent to see what the fuck was up. I ran out into the night, and the wind and rain felt like someone had slapped me across the face. I could barely hear anything over the wind. I shined my surefire all over that very small summit. Nothing. I could barely see through the rain. I ran and zipped open the other tent. It was closed, and my friends were sleeping inside. I decided to scan the one and only ridge leading up to the summit, hoping to find something to explain nothing. My light followed the steep 70-degree ridge about 500 feet below until it disappeared into the cloud cover below us. Nothing. As I shined the light back up the ridge, I noticed the red ropes we had fixed were gone. I have never felt more strange in my entire life as my mind demanded an answer to what just happened. No one could have ascended the ridge at night or, for that matter, have disappeared down it in such a short amount of time. There were drops of over a thousand feet on each side and one slip in the darkness would have sent someone to their death. Fuck. I could not go back to sleep. I went back in the tent and clenched my knife until morning. When morning came and we all continued on as planned, I did not tell anyone what I had seen or heard that night. Part of it was because I felt like they would ridicule or play it down. I still have no idea what happened on that ridge that night, but long after the climb, I was talking with one of my friends who was in the other tent, and he shared he had seen light and heard the footsteps that night. He heard the tent open and closed his eyes for fear of what he might see. He had a sick look on his face when I told him it was me who opened the tent, because I had seen and heard exactly what he did. Donnie, thank you for sharing that story with us. Even if you chose to name yourself after a mediocre debt movie, 
When hearing this story, I can't help but think of the Hawaiian legend of the Night Marchers. According to lore, the Night Marchers are spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors who travel in formation and will force those around to make eye contact with them so they're forced to join their spectral procession and join them in the spirit world. Could the light that you saw have been the bright torches of these phantom warriors, intensified by the presence of a Hawaiian god as legend states? Perhaps it is best that you didn't see what it was that was outside of your tent that night. Next up, we tell a tale shared by Blue Ridge in which he encountered something or someone extra special one night. There is a truth that children are more susceptible to seeing spirits than adults, which is why it is largely fictionalized in movies of the young seeing the disembodied or being terrorized by spirits, where adults often are not. When I was a kid in elementary school, I had numerous encounters with spirits. The one event that stood out the most to me was when my grandmother came over to visit our house for the weekend and stay the night. I'm in my 30s now, and I still remember it like yesterday. It was that real, the events I'm about to tell you. In my old house growing up, I slept on the top bunk bed of my bedroom, where my brother slept underneath. And under the bunk bed, we had a pull-out bed that we made up for guests like my grandmother. That night, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, groggy and rolling over as I rolled over seeing beyond the guardrail of the bunk bed was the ghost of a little girl around my age. She was standing next to my grandmother, looking at her, stroking her head, almost like she was comforting her and tucking her back in bed. The girl had on a purple skirt, pink shirt, and had this aura to her of a heavenly glow. She was mostly solid, but still semi-transparent. And when she moved to embrace my grandmother, she moved almost like a strobe light effect or bad tracking on a VHS tape. I remember how my heart started beating out of my chest. This was so real to me. I went from 1 to 100. Massive adrenaline dump. I was so scared, all I could do was watch. I wanted to throw my blanket over my head, but I was paralyzed with fear. I ended up breathing so hard that I made a noise in my terror that she ended up being aware I was awake, and she looked at me dead in the eyes, motioned to me, and then disappeared right before my eyes. I quickly threw the blanket over my head and cried myself to sleep. The next morning, my grandmother told my parents she had a dream about being visited by Ashley. I never heard of her before, so when I asked who Ashley is, my parents reluctantly told me the story of how Ashley is my sister 
who was born shortly after me, and who died in birth. Blue Ridge, that is an incredible story. While we often share tales of terror, there's a special place in my heart for those stories where people experience a visitation from a loved one, whether they were the intended visitee or not. We'll be back with more experiences from the other side when we return. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you like creepy stories? True crime? Cults? Dogs? Wait, that has nothing to do with it. Well, then you should listen to Undercover Coven. I'm Paula. I'm Ali. And Undercover Coven is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Come, Come join, join us. us. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to this seance of sound that we call Scry. As we gaze into the obsidian mirror once again, we catch a glimpse of experiences encountered by Kingpin 56 after his family moved into a new house. I was about 19 in school, living with my mom. We moved to a house in Chino Hills. Things started the moment we began to move into the house. My mom is a clean freak, so the day before we moved in the house, she went on a cleaning spree. While cleaning, we kept finding pennies over every door threshold inside and outside of rooms. We found some books in the attic relating to witchcraft and demons and had the weirdest feeling throughout the house. I had my best friend helping me, and after a while, he refused to come inside, saying he was freaked out for some reason. He said he felt someone looking at him from the closet and would not go through the house again. That night, I stayed there with my girlfriend and her best friend. My girlfriend and I retired to one room while her friend went to sleep in the room next to us. In the morning, her friend wanted to know why I kept coming in and watching her. I never did leave my room that night. She said I would open the door, stare at her, then close the door. She said she felt like I was checking on her. I never did. A few days later, my mom yells upstairs and asks why I just opened every drawer and cabinet in the kitchen. I was upstairs the whole time. Later that same day, I was in the garage lifting when I hear my mom scream, Get out of my house! Get out of my house! I ran into the house to no one. She says she saw a man standing there and then disappear. I said, 
Okay, Mom. Go to bed. At about midnight, my mom calls me down to her room. She was laying in bed, pointing to the corner, and there was a shadow that moved down the hall. I dismissed it all. One night, I woke to take a leak. I had the upstairs so the door would be open. I heard someone walk down the hall to the bathroom, saw out of the corner of my eye a figure I assumed was my girlfriend. I said, you enjoying yourself? And turned to look, and nobody was there. My girlfriend was sound asleep when I went back. A few days later I was doing homework when I heard what sounded like someone was walking up and down the stairs and then a huge crash came from the kitchen. I ran down and saw pots and pans in a 30-foot radius. I was never able to explain this. While I was picking them up, I heard the closet door open and footsteps go up the stairs. I was alone in the house. The closet door would not stay shut. Even with a chair in front of it, it would end up open. Days later, I heard a noise, so I walked out of my room to check on my mom. When I came back, my girlfriend was waking up, thanking me for caressing her hair like that. I was downstairs. Every night, you could hear walking up and down stairs. Dishes were always messed up. It always felt like someone was watching you. Mom claimed she saw something regularly near the closet door that would not close. Finally, about a month into living there, my mom said, I think we have a ghost or demon in the house. Something evil that is messing with us. I said, yeah, right, Mom. If there's something here, turn off my TV right now. With my mom, girlfriend, and I in the room, the TV shut off immediately. I yelled, you better get out of here, as I know God is on my side. At that moment, you could hear footsteps running down the hall, downstairs, and the closet door slammed shut. 48 hours later, we were out of there. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us, Kingpin56. When we hear tales like yours, or watch a movie where someone moves into a haunted house, we're often left wondering why these people don't run from the house after experiencing negative paranormal events. But it sounds like you and your family decided to unask the area fairly quick. I can't say that I blame you. Our next encounter comes to us from Liquid Courage, a name that may very well be fitting, in which he describes his older brother playing with an imaginary friend that he referred to as the boy from over the hill. Here is his experience.
At my cousin's cottage in northern Michigan, my older brother, who was about two or three at the time, would play with his imaginary friend by himself in a room upstairs. <laughs> my parents heard him talking to someone, and every time they asked him who he was talking to, he'd say he was playing with the boy from over the hill. They didn't know of any hill around, and obviously, he was alone. So they just passed it off as his imagination. This went on for a few days, and eventually, my aunt, uncle, and parents went on a walk to explore the area, as it is heavily wooded and there are a lot of trails, especially around the lake that the cottage is on. They walked around for a while, and after climbing a steep hill, came upon an old family cemetery. Not our family. And they were looking around the gravestones. Sure as shit, among them was the grave of a small boy who died around the turn of the century and would have been about my brother's age. When they got back to the cottage, they asked my brother what his friend's name was, and he said Joshua, the same name that was on the gravestone over the hill. My brother has no memory of any of this and doesn't remember even playing upstairs there. A few years ago, when my cousin was around the same age, she too was heard talking to someone when she was playing upstairs by herself. My mom got a call late at night from her sister saying that her daughter too was now playing with a boy from over the hill in her room. His name is Joshua. She is 16 now and also has no memory of ever playing with anyone at the cottage. That tale was short but sweet and delivered a nice bite-sized dose of horror. Liquid Courage, we thank you for sharing that story with us and love the generational aspect of the story. Watching newer family members play with the same spirit that was encountered by your brother at a young age. For our final tale of the episode, we travel to Iraq and share in the encounter experienced by a couple of soldiers on guard duty. Shared by P-Rod, let's travel to the cradle of civilization and join in his encounter. One night around 2200, my buddy and I were on a tower watching the perimeter in Kirkuk, Iraq. We were just bullshitting, trying to pass time, when all of a sudden we hear this little boy on the fence line, but there wasn't anyone there. No buildings, no vegetation, basically no place to hide of where this voice came from, or around our tower for that matter. We used our night vision goggles and scanned the area numerous times. Nothing. A few minutes later, we hear this kid again, and it sounds like it wants our attention. Obviously, we don't speak Arabic, 
and don't know what he's saying. So we rescan our area. Nothing. Now, my buddy and I are pretty freaked out, but it gets worse. We hear footsteps running toward us on the loose gravel at the base of our tower, but don't see a damn thing. My buddy is armed with an M249, and I have an M4. In addition to both of us having M9s, we're scared shitless because we know we're dealing with something paranormal. All of a sudden, silence for about five to ten minutes, and my buddy and I don't say a word. Then we hear light, very clear footsteps at the base of our tower again. I then decide to slowly open the tower door and I definitely make sure that whatever I'm looking at, my M4 is also looking in that same direction. I climb down the exterior stairs and find nothing. As I lower my M4, I hear footsteps behind me and immediately turn around in the ready position. Nothing anywhere around us and now I'm starting to sweat. I walk back up into the tower and quietly sit there with my buddy. The silence for about 10 minutes and we start to calm down somewhat. We then hear this kid talk again at the base of our tower and immediately following him was a howl or growl of some sort on the fence line. It was definitely a what the fuck moment. So we're like, fuck this and call a patrol to our location. They come by, we're sweating a little, and we tell them the story. They too want to be believers and wait in silence with us until the end of our shift. But nothing else happened. I laugh about it to this day because it's my only paranormal story. I was heavily armed, but I couldn't do anything about it. My friend later joked that this ghost kid probably used us for protection and tried to get our attention of whatever that thing was that howled and growled at us. Nonetheless, I would not forget that night. That's going to end it for this episode of Scry. We would like to thank everyone who shared their story with us, as well as Paula from Undercover Coven for her excellent narration of our first tale. Be sure to check out her podcast, Undercover Coven, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever service you use. I would also like to thank the wonderfully talented Iran Horrors for our logo design. Be sure to check out more of his work over at DeviantArt. In our last episode, I mentioned the possibility of doing a solo Ouija experience on the show, and I've had mixed feedback. Some listeners are supportive of the idea, while others are warning me not to do it. Personally, I think I'm going to go ahead with the experiment, which may or may not end up on the show. If I have an interesting experience, I'll share it. If I sit there and nothing happens, then there's no sense in wasting your time. But we'll see how it goes. 
our podcast recommendation to tide you over until our next episode is going to be a twofer this week. First up is, of course, Undercover Coven. And I'd also like to recommend Unwanted Things, a horror anthology of fictional stories that definitely have a creepy vibe to them. Be sure to check out both of these great shows at the links provided in the show notes. And while we're at it, check out CoffinCast as well. We hope you're feeling better and on demand, Kristen, and we anxiously await Season 2 of CoffinCast. But for now, we must close the gate and banish away all things dark. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry. This is Scry.